Scripture reading today is from Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. Matthew 7 is the the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7. I guess Jesus preached short sermons. If you know what I'm saying. By the time I've done, you may have just wanted me to read the Sermon on the Mount. No, we're, we're not going to be here over an hour today <laughs> in my time. Uh, chapter 7, words, very familiar words, starting with verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The Sermon on the Mount, these, these three chapters, it's one of the simplest expressions of the Christian faith given by Jesus himself. But it contains things that are very, very hard for us to understand sometimes and to deal with in our lives. Here is one example because we, we know Jesus is talking about prayer. But yet how many of us have prayed and things haven't gone as, as Jesus says here? It it seems so simple, right? All we have to do is ask, seek, and knock. That's all we have to do. But our lives are full of what we call unanswered prayer. At least that is what it appears to be. And so people struggle in their faith. They they may give up on prayer. They may may turn away a little bit from God and the church, or they they feel they're they're second-class Christians. Maybe they've they've done something, so God's not listening to them anymore. Someone says, you know, I've been praying for a family member to stop drinking, and it hasn't happened. Or I've been praying for a job, the right job. Can't find one. Been praying about my, my depression. Nothing's changed. I've been praying for guidance, but no guidance has come. And on and on these, these kind of lamentations go. It's, it seems so easy based on what Jesus says, but unanswered prayer weighs on everyone. It weighs on all of us. Jesus spent considerable time here in the Sermon on the Mount talking about prayer. This is where we find the Lord's Prayer, which is to be our, our pattern of prayer. It's often been said that prayer for God's people is like oxygen. We, we can't live without it. We need to constantly give ourselves to it. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we are to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. However, we need, to, we need to take note. Jesus doesn't tell us what to ask, seek, and knock for. And because of this, some, some consider prayer is like a, a blank check. Right? We, can, we can ask for anything. We, sh- we should ask for anything. We should seek for anything or knock for it. And if we, just, if we just have enough faith, we'll receive it. 
However, we have promises that if we pray for God's will, which includes developing righteous character, and that's the focus of the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first what? His righteousness, His kingdom, righteous character, kingdom character, then God will answer. 1 John 5.14 And this is a confidence that we have before Him that whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. When we pray God's will, then we can be sure that He is going to answer that prayer. Therefore, in order to pray effectively, we need to give ourselves to studying God's Word to discern His will. God's will, when properly interpreted, is meant to be pursued in prayer. But even when we pray for God's will, and this is a difficult topic, because it doesn't always go as, as we think it should. And so I want to approach this in a different way this morning. And I'm going to share some ideas, and I, I didn't come up with them on my own. You've probably seen them somewhere else. But if you've been praying and nothing seems to happen, I, I want you to think on these statements in reference to an unanswered prayer. If the request is wrong, God will say no to your request. If the timing is wrong, God might choose to say slow, go slow, wait, not yet. And if, if we are wrong, right, if we're wrong in our prayer, what we're asking for, and that's a, that's a distinct possibility, if something is, is not right in our lives, if there's sin, maybe God will choose instead of granting the request to say, you need, you need to grow. There's something you need to do first. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and we are right, chances are God will say, let's go and grant the request. I want to develop these statements so we can apply them more effectively to our own situations and as we pray. First, if the request is wrong, God will say no. There, there are such things as wrong or inappropriate prayer requests. And that's something we need to be aware of. During the time of Jesus Christ, three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, Jesus took them to the top of a high mountain. And there, all of a sudden, Jesus, his, his glory, God's glory descended on Jesus, and Jesus' full glory was revealed to them. And they stood back in awe. What an amazing experience. We call this the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the splendor of God just a few feet away. And they were so taken with this transfiguration, they basically said, Jesus, we want to build some shelters up here. Let's, let's put up some tents, and let's just stay up here, and we can, we can bask in your glory. That's what I think they were getting at. And what was the response of Jesus in a single word to their request? He said, no, no. I'm not going to grant that one, fellows. We've got work to do. We, we can't stay up here on the mountaintop and enjoy this experience. We need to go down where the people are because we have ministry to do. It's the wrong request. On another time, well, several times, more than once, the disciples argued who was, who was the greatest, you know, who was the most important. And one time, James and John and their mom got involved, and Jesus was asked if they could have the best seats in the kingdom. You know, one, one would be on the right of Jesus and the other on his left, the best places. 
And they said, Jesus, can you arrange that for us? And what did Jesus say? He said, no, it's not going to happen. It's the wrong request. Another time, Jesus and the disciples were denied a travel permit. They wanted to go through a certain part of Samaria. And they were not allowed to travel there. And some of the disciples were aggravated so much, they wanted Jesus to call down fire from heaven to, to wipe out this area. And you remember what Jesus said to them? He said, no, I didn't come to ruin people. I came to transform people. I'm not going to grant that request. So do you, do you see the point I'm trying to make here? The disciples were, were fully capable of making inappropriate requests of Jesus. And when the requests were wrong, Jesus said no. Are we capable of making wrong requests to God? Yeah, I, I have. I probably will do so in the future. Are we making requests that are totally self-serving? Right? Just, just for our own needs. Yeah. Requests that are materialistic. Just, just convenience-oriented. Short-sighted and immature. Yeah. I know I have. And God loves us too much. He loves us too much to say yes to the wrong request. If the request is wrong, God will answer that prayer, but His answer will be no. And you wouldn't want God to do anything less. And by looking back, by hindsight, we're pretty good with that, aren't we? I can thank God for saying no to those prayers. I, I thought at the time they were appropriate. And by hindsight, I can say, thank you, Lord, for not giving me what I asked for. This month, in a few weeks, my wife and I will celebrate 38 years of marriage. Several years ago, I bought her a gift she asked for. That's right. Some of you are thinking, what a great husband. Others are thinking, what a loser. <laughs> she asked for it, and I remembered to get it for her. And I remembered the words, happy wife, happy life. Now, probably like many of you others, I dated a few others before I met her. And for at least two of them, I, I got to the point where I prayed something like, Lord, is, is this the one? <laughs> is she the one? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to tell you any stories about that either. <laughs> but looking back, I'm, I'm glad they weren't the one. I'm glad they weren't. Life, it doesn't mean our life has been perfect, Sandra and I. It doesn't mean our life has been perfect because we know it's hard you have to work at marriage. We've had our disagreements. We've faced our share of hardships together. But I'm so th grateful for this, how, how this has turned out in my life. So we have to remember the old saying, be careful what you ask for. You may get it. So if you've been praying diligently about a matter, if you have sensed resistance from heaven, do you know what I want you to think about doing? Review your request. Our request may be the problem. Maybe it's a cop-out on our part. An unwillingness to face an issue in our lives. Maybe the request is destructive in ways we don't understand. Maybe it's self-serving, short-sighted. It might even be too small. God might want to do something bigger and something better in mind. And He's saying no now because He has a better plan. And because of God's omniscience and His love, 
his great care for us, if the request is wrong, he will say no. At which point we need to review or modify the request or lay it to rest, let it go. If the request is wrong, God will say no. Second, if the timing is wrong, God will say slow. Parents out there, moms and dads, have you ever noticed in your child-rearing challenges, the second only to the word no, the words not yet, rank as the most awful words in the English language to our children. You're going on a 500-mile trip. You're 15 miles from home, and the kids say, are we there yet? And you say, not yet. And they groan and complain, come on, let's go, hurry up. And they ask 10 times before you get out of the UP. It's going to be a long trip. It's four days from Johnny's birthday, and he says, can, can I open my presents? Right, it's close enough. Not yet, Johnny. Groan, complain, and murmur. Another little guy says, I'm six years old, Mom. One, two, three, five, six. Can't I hang out at 7-Eleven with the other kids? That's what they do in Gaylord. They hang out at the 7-Eleven. I want to I wanna look at the magazines. I want to make a nuisance of myself. <laughs> Come on, Mom. Nah, not yet. Or Mom and Dad, I'm almost 10. I have to have the latest cell phone. One that cost over $1,000. <sighs> Children hate the words not yet. And guess what? There's a child in all of us. The child in all of us still wants God to meet every need, grant every request, move every mountain. And when? Now. Actually, maybe not now, but yesterday. And when the all-knowing, all-wise, loving Heavenly Father deems it best to say very caringly to his children, not yet. What is our adult, mature response? But God, I want it right now, right now. You don't understand how badly I need this. Not, not three years, not three months, three weeks or three days. Read my lips as I pray, God. I want it now. Yeah. And let it be known that God is... Well, he's not intimidated by our childish fixation on instant gratification. Not any more than our wise parents were. He simply chooses from time to time to, to shake his head at our immaturity and say, you can kick and scream all you want, but not yet. And we, it's essential for us to understand that God's delays are not his denials. His delays are not denials. We need to understand that often God isn't saying no. He's merely saying, not quite yet. And you have to trust me because I know what I'm doing and I have my reasons. In Isaiah 55, the Almighty God says this, My ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. We think we are as wise as a creator. It's not true. It's not even close to being true. God says, you're the creature, I'm the creator. My ways are higher, my thoughts are higher. Everything in my time. And this is why God encourages us to pray. And Jesus told a parable that we should always pray and not give up. We should not lose heart. Because sometimes our requests are okay, 
And what we're asking for, maybe, maybe it's good, maybe it's proper and right, but for reasons known only to God, He simply chooses to say, I'll, I'll give it to you, I'll grant this, but in my time and in my way. And again, I can't tell you how many times I thought my prayers were going to be unanswered, only to find out later that God was saying, not yet, so He could orchestrate, so He would do something greater later on Something far more than I had the faith to pray for in the beginning. So we need to be careful in insisting that we know better than God, that we know when something should be granted. God, God has a reason for his not yet. He's concerned for us. He has many concerns. He wants us to develop some character, maybe endurance, increased trust, our patience, submission to him. And God is orchestrating the timing of the answer to our prayers. As human beings, we tend to be more focused on our comfort and our convenience than about building character through patiently waiting on and trusting God's timing. And I, I know God is more concerned with our character that we be, we be more like Jesus Christ. He's more concerned about that than he is about instant gratification and convenience. And sometimes the prayers, the prayers that he answers like this are the sweetest to have answered because it means we've trusted in him for a long time and we've kept at it in our prayer life. If the request is wrong, God will say no. We better change and let it go. If the timing is wrong, God will say just, just slow down. Not yet in my time. But what if, what if I'm wrong? What if we're wrong? The third thing God will say is grow. And that's, that's pretty sobering, isn't it? That's something we don't like. If I'm wrong, what does that mean? I mean, it's, it's easier to point out God's shortcomings and not giving me what I want when I want it and to you know, point the finger at Him than it is to turn it around and point it back at me. We don't like to look in the mirror and say, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe it's my fault. We need to honestly ask ourselves, it might be me. Is it really me and I'm the obstacle to the reason God's not answering this prayer? It's almost always something like this. Why isn't God answering this prayer? Why isn't He moving this mountain in my life? And that's human nature. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but it's, it's easier to blame God. It's easier to blame God than it is to take a spiritual inventory and say, maybe it's me. Psalm 66.18 says, If I regard sin in my heart, in other words, if I live a life of disobedience to God, He will not hear my prayers. And that, that pretty well says it, doesn't it? Matthew 5, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says if there's relational discord, if there's a, a private war going on between you and another person, another believer, if there's broken friendships, Jesus says it cuts us off from close fellowship with God. And he says we need to drop everything. First we need to go and be reconciled to the other person, and then we can come and offer our gift. We can worship and pray and offer the sacrifice. When we're wrong, God says, come on, put the sin away. That's what's standing between us. 
We need to change the attitude. We need to stop a practice. We need to, need to end a bad habit that's been a part of our life for years. We have to get off the merry-go-round. We need to reconcile our relationship. We need to soften our spirit. We need to repent and receive forgiveness. Because that's what's standing in the way. In the book of James, the brother of Jesus says, a fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power. But if you want to pull the plug out of the power of prayer, then just dishonor God in some area of your life on a continual basis. The psalmist says if you do that, if you regard iniquity in your heart, your prayers will not be heard. Now here comes the hard part. There are times when, when God's desire to see us grow means we may have a struggle. We may have a problem. There may be a temptation that's going on in our lives. It's continual. Could be a health issue, physical or mental. Could be relationship, a work, a career. And we may not, this is hard, we may not see change this side of eternity. But God is using it to change us if we are willing, and to accomplish those things we cannot imagine. We have to remember, God is saying to us this morning, there's power in prayer. When the request is right, when the timing is right, and when we are right, God says, let's go. He's telling us, let me release my power in your life. Let me be great in you and through you. Free me. Let me address and meet your needs. I want to do this, but you've got to grow. If the request is wrong, God will say no. And it's hard, but we need to thank Him for saying that. If the timing is wrong, He'll say slow. And if I'm wrong, He wants me to grow. He wants me to change. But when everything's lined up, as it fits into the plans that He has for you and for the world, we will be amazed at how often he says, let's go. Because we matter. Each and every one of us matters to him. And it's in his heart to meet our needs and grant our request. I want to close this time by encouraging all of you in your individual prayer lives. Keep on praying. But I want to look at the greatest pattern of prayer of all time. The greatest prayer of all time. And the greatest prayer begins with the words, Our Father. Never forget who it is we are praying to and how much He loves His daughters and sons. God is our Father. If we are His children through Jesus Christ, don't ever forget how He feels about us, His children. He couldn't have a greater love for you than He already has. And don't forget who He is. He's your Father, your Heavenly Father. Don't forget who you are to Him. You're His very own child. And God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love and He'll never leave you or forsake you. Next it says, who art in heaven. And that reminds us where God is and where we are. And that someday we will join Him. He is sovereign. He is majestic. He's omnipotent. Nothing is too hard for Him. He's the mountain mover. He is able and He can fix any problem. He's bigger than any problem you have. We need to fix our eyes on His ability and not on the mountain. Hallowed be Thy name. 
Our prayers need to include worship. They should not degenerate into a just a, like a shopping list of personal preferences. Lord, I need this, and Lord, I want that, and can you change so-and-so? Because I don't like them very much. We need to praise Him and show reverence to Him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, His, his will is done perfectly in heaven. we got a ways to go yet here on earth. That means we need a submissive spirit. We need to say, Lord, may your will, your will be done first in my life. Your will be done in my life, in my marriage, my family, my career, my ministry, with my money, my body, my relationships, and in my church. And may your will be done on earth, all over the world, in this church in this community, in our nation, and in our world, as your people follow you. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. It's not just, not just about food. You know, each of these could be a sermon in themselves. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, after they left Egypt, had manna every day. They had to go out and collect it. Well, it was six days a week, because on the Sabbath day, manna was not given. And so on the sixth day, they collected twice as much. But some people, some people always took extra. But that rotted overnight because every day God wanted them to learn to trust him. And the generation that was lost, that died because they didn't trust him, never entered the promised land. And God wanted a new generation to learn to trust him. Jesus is saying we have to let our requests be made known to God for our daily bread, our concerns, the little ones, the big ones. Lay them out. And I know it it sounds silly. We, We say, well, God knows. God already knows. But God wants us to come to Him. He wants us to be willing to talk to Him about these things in our lives. Whether they're small or big, we need His help. And we need to register our heart's request with God. And we need to intercede for others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to confess our sins. We need to grow. We need to make sure we're not the obstacle. We need to receive forgiveness. You know, right after the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about forgiveness. And He makes it clear, if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. This is active. Peter tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so we resist him, standing firm in the faith. But we need to pray protection from the evil one for ourselves, our loved ones, again, our church, our world. Pray for protection from evil and victory over temptation. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We want to begin with worship, and we want to end it with worship. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom is coming. That was the message that started with John the Baptist. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus continued it. The kingdom comes in Jesus Christ.
The world is yours. The power in the world is yours. All the glory is yours. And Lord, tell him, I can't get over how much I matter to you. I matter to you. And we close it by saying, Amen. Let it be so. May it be forever so. Would you take a moment as we close this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of prayer. But it's hard because prayer seems, uh, seems to be unanswered. But help us to understand that you have a greater purpose. And you want us to search ourselves. And again, to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, as your Holy Spirit works within us and as we know your word, the Scriptures. Father, help us to pray. Help us to pray without ceasing. We pray this in the name of your Son, who gave us this model and these words. Amen. Please stand if you're able.